Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Here we are. I feel like Wednesday is always our best day. You think so? I do. Well, now you've set us up for failure. Hump day. Coming up on today's show, how the modern church looks nothing like the early church. Plus, the latest news, random facts, and artist news and social media. Mm, yes, mm. Mm, yes, yes. Mm. But first, it is February 27th, and we've got a few holidays to celebrate, don't we, Mo? We do. Okay. <laughs> so, number one, it's National Polar Bear Day. Yeah. So, Go get it, polar bears. I'm wondering, you know, the polar bear challenge, when do people do that? Do they, if they're not doing it today... I think it's a New Year's Day thing, isn't it? I don't know, but... There, but if it should be a February 27th thing. Thank you. If they're not doing it today, then they're doing it wrong. Jeez. Um, it's also National Strawberry Day. I'm confused I... as to why it's in February. Well, there's strawberries at the store. Doesn't that mean they're growing somewhere? Like they have a big display. And it's February. There's chocolate covered strawberries. So they got to be in season, don't they? I don't think that they're in season. You don't think so? Oh, look it up. When is strawberry season? When I feel like peak strawberry, strawberry season, season is. Hold on. Don't. I'm going to say peak strawberry season is August. Wrong. Peak season is April through June. Oh, okay. Uh, but the growing season begins in January. Okay. So, yeah. As to why February 27th is, I don't know. Um, National Strawberry Day. That is t- today. Strawberries are the first fruit to ripe. Ripen ah. every year. Uh, so it's paying homage because they're often called the taste of spring. So we're coming into spring, I guess. So, yeah. Cool. That's okay. why. I can sure. get behind it. Awesome. Have you ever gone strawberry picking? No. Don't wear white. I would assume, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the smartest thing i've ever done i don't done. even eat a strawberry wearing white well i'm i mean you go do these things for the photographic memories right and yeah. white against the green and the red from the strawberry vines it just it's gonna make for a pretty picture until you brush up against a couple of those <laughs> strawberry vines and get red all over you been there, done that, lived that life. Last one. <laughs> Inconvenience yourself today. Ooh. Inconvenience yourself day? In you, yeah. Did I say today? You said today. <laughs> well, whatever. It's a command. Inconvenience today. yourself today, Matt. Do it today. <laughs> okay. True story. Right. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Hey, quick question. Do you like stories? Hmm. Are you sitting around waiting for... J.R. Tolkien or C.S. Lewis to rise from their graves so they can write you another amazing fantasy? 
Well, there's no need to wait for resurrection technology to catch up because Michael P. Mordanga, the creator of the game Sunday School Answers, wrote a novel called The Boy and His Curse that any fan of classic fantasy will fall in love with. This story stars Ethan Miyoko, a high school boy who wanted to get his driver's license, and on his road exam, he accidentally hits an old lady and gets eternal bad luck. So now, instead of a driver's license, the world is trying to kill him with vicious dogs, house fires, and furniture falling on his head. His only escape is the mystical world of Feria, where a tribe of self-righteous fairy people, who live in absolute paradise, must take him under their wing. I won't give the rest away, but there are epic battles, lots of swords, gigantic monsters, awkward relationships, spiritual points to brag to your pastor about, and tons of bizarre humor. Fans are saying that if you like C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy or Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, that you'll have no trouble eating up this story. The Boy and His Curse is $2.99, just $2.99 on Amazon Kindle, or it's free if you have a Kindle Unlimited account. The Boy and His Curse will be your next great addiction. Cover art is very beautiful on that book, by the way. It really is. I don't know who did it, but it's great. I agree. 100%. Pretty sure he didn't do it because I saw his design for Sunday School Answers. Pretty simplistic. <laughs> Just, saying. Just saying. Just saying. Mine's not much better for Judge Not, but still, that book is that book cover is highly involved. Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. <laughs> um, here's the news, folks. The Trump administration is launching a global effort to decriminalize homosexuality. In a campaign that will be led by U.S. Ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell, who is openly gay. NBC News was the first to report on this campaign, and it cited unnamed sources, although Grinnell wrote about the issue this month in Bild, a German newspaper. One of the campaign's goals is to put pressure on Iran, which hung a man for being gay. Homosexuality also is illegal in Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Emirates Pakistan, and Afghanistan. This story, the reason why I wanted to bring it up is because this story, I feel, is making people that don't understand Christians confused. Because one thing I'm not seeing a lot of is Christians complaining about this at all. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of Christians celebrating this news. And that, for some people, is confusing. Because they think that all Christians just want homosexuals to go away and die. Right. And this right here and the reaction to it that I'm seeing in the Christian faith should be showcasing exactly where our priorities are. We might not believe the same way that you do about homosexuality and if it's a sin or not. But that doesn't mean we want to see these people killed. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that we don't want to treat these people as humans. Right. doesn't mean that we don't think that we are on the same level of, of sinfulness with mm -hmm. these people. That we, yeah. are, that we are equals uh, in the eyes of God. And so this right here, I find fantastic news. Yeah. That yes, we're going to go and make sure that we aren't just killing these people because of the lifestyle they chose. Right. And... Putting that pressure uh, on mostly Muslim countries at this point. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I really think it's a great 
campaign. I think it was a surprising campaign that people didn't expect. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are going to try and make it into something it's not. Like, uh, oh, this is Trump's way of pandering to the left to get more votes in 2020. Right. But uh, for all of Trump's flaws, I do believe that he does a lot of things deliberately because he thinks they're the right thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is one of those things. Uh, so, yeah. I'm happy about this. I like this news story. Agreed. It came out of left field. Came out of seemingly nowhere. But it's great. Uh, jumping <laughs> jumping to a completely different side of the world. The iconic Marshmallow Peeps. <laughs> <laughs> you've, well. you've known since you were a kid are debuting seven new flavors just in time for Easter, including cotton candy, which could be good, pancakes and syrup flavor peeps. That's weird. Orange sherbet flavored peeps that are dipped in creme flavored fudge. Uh, Root beer float marshmallow peeps. Vanilla cream, creme, chocolate caramel swirl, vanilla, or vanilla, chocolate caramel swirl, peeps, Peeps. marshmallow peeps, that's what I was trying to say. And then the worst flavor on the planet for any candy, blue raspberry. (laughs) Each new flavor comes in a classic marshmallow chick shape, and they're all currently rolling out in grocery stores nationwide now through Easter, which falls on April 21st this year. So I don't know, this is... I don't know if they're not doing their mystery peeps this year. Have they done mystery peeps? The last two or three years they've had mystery peeps. It's been three different flavors and you had to guess what the flavors are. Really? And I'm pretty sure pancakes and syrup was one of them uh, last year. Here's the thing about peeps. They all taste the same. Eventually, yeah. They say that there's <laughs> flavors, different flavors. They all taste like a marshmallow <laughs> with sugar on it. That's yeah. all it is. A crunchy marshmallow. <laughs> um, then according to New York-based nutritionist Chelsea Ammer, a cheesy, greasy, carb-filled slice of pizza is better for you than your favorite breakfast cereal. It's true. Emmer credits a high sugar content in most cereals for its poor reputation, while the Daily Mail adds that the lack of protein and healthy fats are contributing to its nutritionally bleak standing. You may be surprised to find out that an average slice of pizza and a bowl of cereal with whole milk contain nearly the same amount of calories, Emmer told the site. However, pizza packs a much larger protein punch, which will keep you full and uh, keep you satiated throughout the morning. So, you know, pizza it up, guys. Mm -hmm. There's nothing better than a cold slice of pizza for breakfast. Oh, my gosh. I love Uh, pizza. Pizza in the morning, pizza in the evening. (laughs) Pizza at supper time. When pizza's on a bagel, you can eat pizza anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love pizza. You know, the last few times I've had bagel bites, though, they've been very disappointing. Yeah, bagel bites aren't anything like what they tasted like when we were kids. Right. They had to have changed. They I, had to have gotten I don't worse. know that they've changed. I just they think that we've grown up. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think that's what it is. But then again, pizza rolls. Pizza rolls are still amazing. Still the bomb. I feel like I like them more now. I than agree. When I, was a kid. I agree. I had some the other day. We eat like, them on a weekly basis good. in our house. <laughs> Oh man! I, gotta... I do have two teenage boys, though. So, <laughs> to be fair. Oh man! I gotta sneak some pizza rolls into my house. Deja doesn't like me to have them. What? <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't want the kids to have them. <laughs> oh, so good. Coming up later in the show, how the modern church looks nothing like the early church. Stick around. show on this wickedy wednesday Wednesday. (laughs) we got five random facts for you on the second hour of our show what are they ready lay them on i like this first one chris farley was the original voice of shrek but passed away after recording about 85 percent of his lines i mean i like that you like that you (laughs) you like that chris farley could have been the voice of shrek exactly not that he died exactly uh man that was just chris farley was brilliant as a comedic actor and in like the physical comedy as well. Yeah. And it's just it's such a shame that he died so young. Mm-hmm. Because, man, he would still be doing things that I'd be watching. You know, I feel that about so many. they come out. So many. Yeah. Phil Hartman's another one. I would have. Do uh, you know who Phil Hartman was? Eh. <laughs> uh, Jingle All the Way. The creepy neighbor husband. Okay. Guy. Yeah. Him. Everything that he was in, especially starting in SNL, is fantastic. Yeah. News radio, he made that show. Yeah. That's why it died the season after he had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, and he'd still be doing amazing, hilarious things now. Well, I house feel guest, like... Oh, House Guest was good. Him I think Sindel. of Robin Williams. Robin Williams, yeah. That's Heath a more Ledger. recent one. Yeah. Heath Ledger. Even Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy to me was what? Who's Brittany Murphy? Uh, Clueless. She was the. Did you watch Clueless? Once, a million years ago. She was also on Eight Mile, but anyway, I haven't seen that one. She was like the awkward, weird-looking, super funny mm. actress that was in our generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everybody could relate to her. Like yeah. all, uh, she, she was me on <laughs> screen. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number two. I forgot what we were doing. The, <laughs> <laughs> the use of capital letters to denote shouting dates back to the 19th century. I don't think you read that the way it was written. But I don't want to yell. You always <laughs> yell at me when I yell. So I don't want to yell. Anyone who's listening with headphones, be aware. The use of capital letters to denote shouting dates back to the 19th century. Is that better? Very much. Okay. Very good. See, I didn't want to yell. Now you did. And now everybody wearing those earbuds are dead. Sorry, guys. (laughs) You will be remembered fondly. 
in America, it's easier to get free Wi-Fi than it is to get free water. <laughs> that sounds like a bit. That sounds like a joke. <laughs> Sad but true. Uh, being in a relationship really does lead to weight gain, and the happier you are, the bigger you get, according to researchers from Southern Methodist University. See? So, we're not overweight. We're just content in our marriages. <laughs> Yes, I did lump you in with me. I don't know if I should, like... <laughs> Mo's, I don't know what... Mo's, like, five pounds overweight. I'm, like, a whale. Whatever. On I land. Just, I don't know if I should become less happy in my marriage <laughs> or just get bigger. I don't know what the right. better payoff throws, is here. Throws, throws a whole wrench into the plan now. Oh, no, if I lose more weight, he's going to think I'm unhappy. Right? Maybe I will be unhappy. Maybe it'll make me unhappy. Oh, yeah. Deidre lost a lot of weight and then she was unhappy. <laughs> was she really? No. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, for real? Dang. Okay, uh, lastly, a woman named Glenda Blackwell brought a brought a scratch-off lottery ticket to prove to her husband that buying lottery tickets was a waste of money and accidentally ended up winning $1 million. <laughs> All right, listen, Linda. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen, oh, Glenda, yeah, yeah. Glenda, listen, Glenda. Listen, Linda. <laughs> Linda. It's actually Glenda. But All right, we've got some artist updates, social media, all kinds of fun. A marriage reminder from 10th Avenue North's Mike Donahue. The grass is greener where you water it. Boom. Boom shakalaka from downtown. He's <laughs> on fire. Jamie. <laughs> NBA Jam. Anyone? Anyone? Nope. Okay. Jamie Grace has a unique problem. She posted, I miss homework. I just want to read books and write papers. <laughs> the face that Mo is making. <laughs> Jamie, let's have a talk. Jamie's <laughs> doing so much more with our time. <laughs> Of reading uh, books, I can get behind, but writing, writing papers. papers about them. The, okay, so this is why, and Chris will attest to this. This is why college was not for me, because <laughs> I love to write. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to do. But I love to write about truth and things that have really happened, and you know, actual scenarios. Right. And a lot of college is writing. About lies. Like applying what you've learned, what you're learning for that week to a scenario that may or may not have actually happened in your life. And like when Chris got his bachelor's degree and all the papers he had to write on a weekly basis, I would proofread them for him. And I'm reading it and I'm like, this never happened. He's like, yeah, but they don't know that that never happened. <laughs> yeah, but I know and God knows. <laughs> I just need to get an A, is what he would say. I just need to pass. I don't need to let them know whether... So I could never get to that place where I was just like making up false scenarios to prove that I understood what we were discussing for the week. (laughs) This topic reminds me of the time I met Herbert Hoover. Exactly. (laughs) You never met Herbert Hoover. We shared a frozen yogurt together on the beach of... San Puerto Rico. The San vacuum Rico? guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matthew West 
uh, has a little list on being complete. Not complete in myself, not complete because of what I do today, not complete because of how I feel today, not complete because of what others think or say about me, not complete because of what I believe about myself. No, my completeness is fully anchored in him, and so is yours. You are comp- you are complete in Christ, and nothing can take that away from you. I like mm. that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Hawk Nelson's John Steingard has a problem. He posted a short video while scraping ice from his windshield with the only item available, his driver's license. The Canadian native posted, this isn't supposed to happen in San Diego. <laughs> True. <laughs> they had snow in Hollywood yeah. this past weekend. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine... How? Even more so than that, I feel like Arizona is more hot than, it's more of a hot climate than what California is. Yeah, yeah. And they've yeah, yeah. got snow this past week. Yeah. I um, think they still get snow, though, on a regular basis. Not like Phoenix. No? Mm-mm. Maybe not. I might be wrong. I just feel like, I know that side of New Mexico gets a lot of snow. On border with Arizona. Yeah. Near so Flagstaff like and Yeah, whatnot. so I feel like but it should be. Flagstaff is in Arizona. Yeah. Near, Near Gallup. In Farmington and, yeah, those areas. Wait, is Farmington that way? I don't know. Or Farmington the other way? I don't know. Anyways, I thought they got more snow than California did normally. I don't think they do. Yeah, all right. But I could be wrong. I don't like I don't it, know. too. I don't know, either. <laughs> I don't know. Just assumptions. Northern you know California always gets... Yeah, I know what they say about assumptions. Makes a donkey out of you and me. <laughs> <laughs> Make you a donkey, and the ump will shun you. That's from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay. <laughs> Next one, Matthew. <laughs> no, I was just thinking, can you imagine all the people that got iced over? They don't have... Ice scrapers out there. They no. don't have defrosting sprays and whatever. Not even in the stores. You can't even go buy them there. Because it's not a thing. And now everybody's frozen over. It's true. <laughs> out there with the driver's license and their uh, hair dryers on extension cords. <laughs> it's a fantastically funny image in my mind. It is funny. <laughs> I just feel... Fear for the people that have done it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. This is a good one from Casting Crowns. Juan DeVevo. You only like it because you like to say his name. <laughs> no, he's a funny dude. And he's seeing a trend. He posted in the future, all your home devices will have their own names. Alexa, play Everclear. Siri, get directions. Edgar, mix me a drink. Helmut, defrost the chicken. Gladys, burp the baby. <laughs> It'll be like your own army of electric ser- electronic servants until they revolt, that is. For real. <laughs> I don't understand why people are so okay with this. They obviously <laughs> didn't watch the Disney Channel growing up. <laughs> Smart House, iRobot, they all turn against you, man. All of them! <laughs> oh. And we're just letting it happen. <laughs> we're just like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. No! I may I or may even, not have an Alexa in my house. I can't get my words out. 
Oh, Alexa, unlock the front door. I'm sorry, Matt. I can't let you do that. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, I'll unlock it myself. You can go over there, and it zaps you with a yep. shock. Let me out! Yep. You did this to me. This, Alexa. Yep. <laughs> no, I have an Alexa, too. You know what's annoying? Okay, this is annoying. I have an Alexa. I also have Fire TV Stick, mm-hmm. both from Amazon. Yeah. Fire TV Stick will play commercials for Alexa that are like, Alexa, do this. I'm like, come on, you're setting my dang thing off. I'm watching a product from you and you're causing my other product. It's rare that it actually makes it go off because oh, if, you listen, all the time. if you listen, they don't say Alexa. They say Lexa. They take off that A so that as like trying to not make it set off. Ours never goes off. We have the Alexa fire stick as, or the TV fire stick as well. Yeah. And we have the new one where you speak into it and you say, Alexa, play yeah. such and such. Yeah, I have that too. Uh, it never goes off. Hmm. Not on my Alexa, whatever it's called. Dot. Ow. Yeah. Or on my remote. Well, the dot might not be picking it up as much. We have that Echo Plus, hmm. the one that, the, the most expensive, one? yeah, the most yeah. expensive one because it integrates with smart house features, yeah, and stuff, yeah, and <laughs> smart house features. See what you've done? <laughs> You're doing it to yourself. All of our cameras and our door locks and whatnot. You're just so. going right along with it. Yeah, I'm diving right into the smart house. No Disney, Disney big movie. deal. Whatever. <laughs> when we come back, how the modern church looks nothing like the early church. Stick around. Wednesday, my dudes. It is Wednesday. Ooh, welcome back to the Backer Morning Show. Here on Backer Radio. Wednesday. <laughs> it's our third hour. What's your favorite Christian fiction genre? Is it Amish romance? Sports stories? Rapture and Revelations pieces? Well, if you said yes to any of those, stay far away from Michael P. Mordanga's hit story, The Boy and His Curse. Because this story is so far away from Amish romance poor interpretations of Revelation, or sports stories that you just won't recognize it. Instead, you get pure classical fantasy in the same style as J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Fans are saying that if you like Lewis's space trilogy or Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, you'll have no trouble eating up this story. Follow Ethan Miyoko, a high school student who just wants to fit in, as he gets into a horrible accident. At his driver's exam, he hits an old lady and is given eternal bad luck. His life becomes a constant death trap as random dogs chase him and his house catches fire. His only refuge is a mystical land called Feria, where the cure to his curse lies. Ethan will enter a world of self-righteous fairies, epic mythical beasts, savage troll warriors, and a ton of awkward problems for a teenager. The Boy and His Curse was written by the creator of Sunday School Answers and promises the same bizarre humor. The Boy and His Curse is two ninety nine on Amazon Kindle. $2.99. You got that in your PayPal account right now. 
Or it's free if you have a Kindle Unlimited account. The Boy and His Curse will be your next great addiction. Check it out today. Check it out! Chicka, 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 chicky! So today we are talking about, if I can get the thing to open, we're talking about four ways that the modern church looks nothing like the early church. And this comes from an uh, article on Relevant Magazine. Uh, relevantmagazine.com by Preston Sprinkle. I've always loved the last name Sprinkle. Sprinkle? (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) Uh, And we've got four ways here that uh, our church today looks nothing like the church of the Bible, uh, early church times. Okay, I'm... uh, Just... What? I'm I'm concerned that I may not like this one as much as I liked yesterday's list. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that just, and get it out just there. Just preference, pref, 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 preface. preface this preface. that I may be a pill this whole hour. Got it. Just saying. <laughs> uh, the number one way that our modern church looks nothing like the early church is how we view other Christians. Uh, One uncomfortable value trumpeted by the early Christians was their view of the church as a family. The first Christians saw themselves as brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers to everyone who was part of the Christian community. This is, of course, well known to anyone who reads the New Testament, but we shouldn't read the church as family metaphor through the lens of our modern-day Western family values, where our high-maintenance grandparents are shuffled off to retirement homes and annoying siblings are treated as outcasts. <laughs> uh, in the first century, a family union is, uh, unit extended far beyond the nuclear family and was held together by an unconditional bond of commitment and service. You didn't even have to like your relatives, but you were expected to love them. So, within the context of Jesus and Paul, blew open the doors of the home and welcomed in all believers as brothers and sisters. They created a new focus on the family that extended far beyond one's nuclear relatives. And included people of every race and social strata and gave their allegiance to the risen Christ. So I like this because, you know, if I don't particularly care for one of my brothers or a set of my grandparents, I can choose my own brothers and grandparents. (laughs) They don't have to be the ones that I was born with. I don't think that's exactly what we're saying. (laughs) That's what I got from it. Okay, but I do have a question. Sure. In relation to this. So I grew up in a church where it was Brother Glenn and Sister Linda. Okay. What do you like? That was like the title you called people. Yeah. Everybody. Every, um, anybody that was older than me. I guess not older than me because I didn't call the youth group that. Anyway, anyway, you get the point. Yes. Do you think that we should still be doing that? Well, some churches do. Didn't doesn't didn't Pastor Kevin, our last pastor, yeah, come from a church that it did that? And it was so really weird, weird for him because he wanted us to call him brother, brother Kevin. He didn't yeah. want us to call him pastor. Yeah, that was too weird. Yeah, I didn't do it either. I, <laughs> even Kara occasionally would say, "Go ask Brother Kevin," and I'm like, eh. uh, "No, seems awkward." Yeah, yeah. That yeah, I mean, work. you're right. I don't like it. <laughs> but I but now what's people really that grew up in it. Yeah. Seemed fine. But I grew up with it. And well, even yeah, you're right. But now when, you know, we go visit Kara and Kevin and my kids still call him Pastor Kevin and it's so awkward cuz they're like, "Hey, Pastor Kevin." 
what what do i call you now (laughs) they've tried mr kevin it just doesn't sound right mr kevin yeah they've tried just kevin still doesn't sound right so rev kev for the end of time he will be pastor kevin (laughs) all right yeah but this is basically talking about how we don't do that too much in our churches these days our churches kind of become uh like the grocery store or the movie theater it's just a place that we go we do what we're there to do and then we leave yeah we don't build relationships we don't uh seek out to help or or uh even check in on other people as much it usually comes down to like a small core group within the church that actually does that true story which then breeds problems like clicks and and uh, we're the real church, and y'all are just the attenders and stuff like that. Whole bunch of different dangerous Hashtag paths. <laughs> yep. Uh, the second way that the modern church looks nothing like the other church is how we spend our money. Uh, m- many churches today spend their revenue on salaries, building, building mortgages, and other material supplements to ministry. Look at any church budget, you'll find 1% or 2% of church funds allocated to benevolence, helping poor people in need. Uh, Maybe another 5% or 10% at best is given to needs outside the church uh, that on some level help the poor. Uh, But such distribution of funds runs counter-opposite to how the early church spent its money. The New Testament talks a lot about giving money, uh, but rarely, if ever, talks about giving towards salaries. And it never mentions giving money toward a building for what it's worth. It also never mentions giving 10%, which is still a staple value in modern churches, which we talked about last Thursday. Um, When the New Testament talks about giving, it refers to redistributing money to the poor, usually poor believers outside the church walls. Now, that word scares a lot of us uh, who tend to lean more conservative politically, redistributing money. We're, We're not talking about letting the church take your money yeah. and distribute it. We're talking about you willingly offering your money to be given to the poor. Anyway. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's usually focused on giving the poor poor believers outside the church walls. Uh, you see this in Romans 15, 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. When Paul declares, uh, God loves a cheerful giver, for instance, it was in the context of Gentile churches giving money to poor Jewish believers living in Jerusalem. Uh, in fact, Paul spilled more ink talking about giving to poor people than he did on the doctrine of justification by faith. So Jesus said, uh, Jesus himself said that giving to the poor is one of the main criteria of genuine faith <clears throat> and the primary means by which he'll sort out the wicked from righteous uh, on judgment day. So <laughs> if you didn't catch that part, that was a heavy part right there. <laughs> That giving to the poor is one of the main criteria of genuine faith and the primary means by which he'll sort out the wicked from righteous on Judgment Day. Uh, You can see that in Matt 25, 31 through 46. Woo! You know? So, at this point, uh, where we're at, you know, of course we have to pay, you know, church salaries. We have to... Yeah pay church mortgages we have to do that we're in a situation where this is how the church is now yeah so at this point it comes down now to the individual being more willing to go above and beyond their normal giving to the church to give more to the 
outreach ministries, the benevolence ministries, and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, the third way that the modern church looks nothing like the early church is how we think about power. This kind of comes down to a American slash Christian situation. You know, because we we as America tie in our faith a lot with our American traditions and values, such as like the military or politics. Mm-hmm. Everything seems to be tied into one big thing. Uh, but but especially like the military. Mil- militarism profoundly shapes American values. That's mm-hmm. just the way it's always been. It's not necessarily bad, but it is very different from the way the early church was, where we really see no real call to any kind of uh, needing to weaponize or, um, you know, have have some sort of army ready to ready to defend this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, early church was non-militaristic. Uh, early Christians were never fascinated with the power of Roman military. Uh, they clung to the rhythm of the cross, where evil is conquered not by swords and spears, but by suffering and love. Uh, the most quoted verse among early Christians was Jesus's command that we should love our enemies in Matthew five forty four. Uh, it was, it was what Matthew five forty four was pretty much what John three sixteen is to us today. It was like the most often quoted thing. Back mm-hmm. then. And so of course, you know, we're, we're in this situation where we feel like, oh, of course we can't love all of our enemies. We can't love ISIS. Can't love Al Qaeda. You know, we get that feeling of there's just, you know, and of course we can't just say, Get rid of the military. And that's not what this article is trying to say either. It's not trying to say uh, it's we're worse. It's not trying to say that we need to go back to that or that we even could. Mm -hmm. It's just these are the differences. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we, you know, we celebrate. And this is something that some people have started to take issue with as of late in the last decade or so that I've noticed anyway. Mm -hmm. Is that we celebrate a lot of America stuff on Sunday morning. Like, when we're close to the big holidays, like 4th of July or Veterans Day, Memorial Day, we usually dedicate a large part of our Sunday morning worship service to lifting up military people. Yeah. Which, there's no doubt that they should be honored, but is that the right place? Is that the right time? Yeah. You know? That's a question that a lot of people have raised up. We're, We're... we're intermixing our Americanness a little too much with our faith. Yeah. Above all. So that's a discussion for another time, though. I'm sure that could branch out into many different areas. Probably. The last way that our modern church looks nothing like the early church is how we study the Bible. Uh, the early church valued corporate study of the Bible, where you did it with a, a group of people, a small mm-hmm. group of people. And this was legitimate in-depth studies now of course we have bible studies in our churches and we have we try to have discipleship classes and things of that nature but at the same time christians today are experiencing kind of an unprecedented level of biblical uh illiteracy we don't know things like we just had that list yesterday of all these things that people in America, mm-hmm. th- Christians in America, think right. are in the Bible that aren't. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them glaringly obvious that you could read for 
you know, read one, one, uh, gospel and you know, that's not how things work. And, uh, it's just, you know, early Christians tended to soak up the word of God like a sponge, partially because Bibles weren't everywhere. I don't know if maybe it's become a malaise that we've had that, you know, there's a Bible everywhere. You can get a free Bible from 18 different places in any town that you're at, uh, within five miles of you. And so does that make us almost in a kind of reverse supply and demand situation where, well, I know they're everywhere. So if I ever need one, I guess I'll go get one. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to early church where, you know, their copies of the scriptures were handwritten. Yeah. And they didn't have, you know, giant cases of Gideon's Bibles being handed out. Right. You know, or anything like that. So maybe they took it a little bit more of a, as more of a uh, privilege. Yeah. To even have a copy. Yeah. Uh, according to one statistic, 60% of confessing born again Christians can't name five of the Ten Commandments. don't believe or aren't aware of the basic tenets of the Christian faith. And 12% think that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. (laughs) Mo just died a little inside. I saw saw about one-tenth of the light go out of her eyes forever. (laughs) Never coming back. That makes me so sad. I'm, like, <sighs> legit makes me sad. And we even learned, uh, I think it was last week, article came out uh, with a new poll showing that over half of Christian millennials think that it's wrong to evangelize, like wrong to share your faith with other people who don't believe like you do. And this is, a, and there's, there's this, and it was a staggering amount of, a couple months ago that didn't believe in things like hell. Yeah. And other common things, common things in our faith. Uh it's just it's it's uh it's a bit, bit disconcerting. It is. What's been going on? I agree. Yeah. Really? Um, but yeah, there's there's a whole lot of context and a whole lot of background in this article on on these four things. Uh, I would very much encourage you to check this out. It's at relevantmagazine.com. Uh, author is Preston Sprinkle, and it is How the Modern Church Looks Nothing Like, or Four Ways, sorry, Four Ways the Modern Church Looks Nothing Like the Early Church. Give it a full read, uh, and then check out the rest of the stuff over on Relevant. Uh, they're not a sponsor. We just uh, like a lot of what they put out. We like their stuff. <laughs> and uh, let us know what you think. Let's uh, move on, though, to our Ask Us Anything before we close out this hour. Okay. What would be the most unsettling thing to keep occasionally finding around your house? (laughs) I feel like finding someone else's underwear would be very unsettling in my house. Like random underwear you know doesn't belong to anyone in your house? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, I have a better one, I think. Okay. Finding shedded snakeskin. Yeah. <laughs> Just randomly every now and then. Don't know where the oh snake gosh. is. Oh, gosh. It's still here. Okay. <laughs> so, fun fact. Did you know that if a snake comes into your house, you have to kill it? You can't just release it back outside? Because once it finds its way into your house, 
it will always remember how to get back in and it will just keep coming in. That's terrifying. Yep. <laughs> yep. Cannon found a little are they gardener snakes or garden snakes? So I've always heard garden snakes. Okay. We found a little one, you know, completely harmless. Was playing with it. This was like almost two years ago now. Yeah. Left it in the garage overnight. I woke up in the morning and it was by our linen closet, which is in between <laughs> all the bedrooms. And I'm freaking out. And so I'm telling him, just put it outside. Just put it outside. And Chris is like, no, you have to kill it. And Cannon, of course, our animal lover, breaks down into tears. Why? Why do I have to kill it? I'm sorry. I left it in the garage. Sure enough, it's a fact that if they find their way in once, they will always find their way back in. (laughs) True story. So there is no gardener snake. There is a garter snake. A garter snake? Okay. And I don't know. Many folks don't get the illusion and call them gardener snakes instead. Illusion to what? Okay, okay. They're called garter snakes. Uh, It's a traditional American term for a small harmless snakes with stripes running lengthwise across their body resembling old-fashioned garters. Is more ah, broadly used okay. for all manner. It is more broadly used for all manner of non-venomous snakes. Many folks don't get the illusion and call them gardener snakes instead. Hmm. Yeah, so I don't think a, I don't think a garden snake is a thing either. I think it's just garter snakes. A garter snake. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, learn something new. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yep. An extra bonus fun fact. Right? All right. Stick around. We'll be back soon to close out the show. Show as we close out this Wednesday show oh, for you. Wednesday. <laughs> you got your Bible verse and thought for the day. Bible verse for the day is 1 John 3.18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And our thought for the day comes from Greg Laurie. Newsflash, you're not the captain of your ship. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you to our sponsor, A Boy and His Curse by Michael P. Mordanga, available on Amazon now. We're here every Monday through Thursday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern, 4 a.m. Pacific with an encore presentation at 10 Eastern and 7 Pacific. If you ever miss one of our shows, you can find all the chatty bits mashed together for you into a podcast (laughs) over at BackRowRadio.com. Google Play, iTunes, pretty much everywhere you can get a podcast. And don't forget, you can connect with all aspects of The Back Row by visiting thebackrow.org and join our meme-packed Facebook group at brbchurch.com. If you love what we do here on The Back Row Morning Show and Back Row Radio at large, please consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash backrowradio. We're only about one-sixth of the way to our goal. We need more funding for more music, for more things, for giveaways, for advertisements. We want to get this thing into more ears, and we need your help to do that by partnering with us in this ministry. If you can donate as much as just five bucks a month, that'll go a long way to help us get done what we want to get done. (laughs) Mo, what's the final word? Be the church, people. 
That's it for today's show. If you need us, we'll be in the back. Bye.